sun. Shining a light every week on state government and how it's impacting you. This is Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. PGA President and CEO David Grising is back with us. David, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning, Jim. Glad to be here. Well, we're going to get uh, started uh, with the new House Speaker, Chris Welch. Uh, he still uh, is getting his bearings on this. Uh, we still haven't seen how he's going to reshape the House rules uh, to maybe make it a bit more of an open process and less uh, autocratic, as uh, many people perceived it to be under Mike Madigan. But we're learning a, a little bit more about how Chris Welch uh, came to become the first black speaker in Illinois history, and Mike Madigan successor, an interesting detail that emerged from a profile of Welch in a newspaper earlier this week. Yes, absolutely. Welch said that he uh, had uh, received a call from Mike Madigan right after Madigan decided that he wanted to step down. In fact, before that was publicly announced, and had been said to Mr. Welch, uh, Chris, do you want to be speaker? And one interesting twist is that Welch's immediate response was he worried that it would might be a trap, that it might be a trick to see if indeed he had intended to challenge this outgoing speaker. Uh, but but Welch, uh, Welch said, well, I, I would be honored, um, uh, and the rest uh, now is just becoming history. But uh, it, it, this, this chain of events may raise questions among those who have been wondering to what extent this was coerced and to what extent Chris Welch has been uh, Mike Madigan's hand-picked successor. Well, we saw Chris Welch uh, out there as a relentless advocate for the former speaker during the special investigative committee in the fall. Uh, every attempt by Republicans to hold Mike Madigan to account uh, for his role in the Commonwealth Edison bribery scandal was promptly and ruthlessly shut down by Chris Welch. So a lot of people already felt like uh, he was uh, Madigan's right-hand man. A and you're right, this revelation is not going to really alter that uh, perception uh, for everybody. But there is still uh, time and still the chance for Chris Welch to prove he's his own man. Well, absolutely. And some of Welch's, as you say, ruthless shutdown of the investigative committee may have had to do with the belief among him and others that this was a partisan grandstanding effort on the part of uh, Minority Leader Jim Durkin and other Republicans in the House. Uh, but he really did zealously go after it that way. And uh, and so there have been questions, not to mention that Welch was one of Madigan's closest uh, members of his leadership team. And so there have been questions. But, but Welch has taken measures to separate himself from Madigan with what he has said about the end of term limits, about uh, uh, reducing gerrymandering, uh, even now, subsequent to his first pronouncements about um, reduce changing the rules so that the speaker does not have unrivaled control over uh, the legislative agenda the way that, that uh, Speaker Madigan did. So we are seeing some good early signs from Chris Welch, but it is very, very early. Uh, an interesting uh, note also uh, over the weekend, uh, Speaker Welch put out a statement uh, indicating that he was stepping back from his role as a partner at a Chicago law firm, Ansel Glink, which uh, does a lot of work on government law. He will now be listed as of counsel rather than a partner in the firm. Uh, David, from a practical standpoint, what is that? 
that mean, if anything, in terms of uh, Chris Welch, his job as speaker, and uh, the the continuing issue of outside employment for lawmakers and the role uh, they, they are playing in the government arena beyond the scope of their duties as a legislator? Well, uh, just for pur- purposes of comparison, Don Harmon, president, when he became Senate president, he resigned outright from his law firm. Jim Durkin, the uh, House Minority Leader, is of counsel to his law firm. As a practical matter, uh, when somebody is of counsel, they do not share in the firm's uh, uh, profits as a partner would, uh, but they can continue to have a uh, uh, client relationships and uh, do the business of the firm. It varies a lot. Uh, as I've seen lawyers over the years, some of them have that title of counsel, and it's more or less an honorific. It applies a lot of times to lawyers who have all but retired but still like to show up in the office and maybe be brought in for some key client meetings just to sort of show the flag. And it also, on the other end of the spectrum, it's people who are very active but for whatever reason not full-time and not sharing the firm's profits. Uh, Welch, uh, as, a, as a family person who, whose uh, uh, house salary probably does not make all of his ends meet, has, an, has a right in, under current Illinois a law to have an outside employment. And, um, uh, you know, it's something that we uh, at, at the BGA and others just need to keep a careful eye on. Uh, it would be helpful if Chris Welch would more carefully define exactly what his relationship will be with his law firm, because there are potential for conflicts of interest there. Yeah, again, this is a firm that uh, does specialize in government law, working with government entities, and having the Speaker of the House anywhere on your payroll uh, could certainly be seen as a, uh, a help or a benefit to potential clients. It's interesting, we have a newly appointed state senator down here in the Springfield area, Sally Turner, uh, who has a local government consulting firm helping units of local government with their tax extension issues, questions on property tax caps and things. She plans to continue that business, even though she's now been appointed a state senator, says she doesn't see a a conflict of interest there. And again, her role is basically to help explain existing law uh, to those governmental entities. uh, So it doesn't look like there would be an immediate apparent conflict of interest. But it is certainly interesting, again, to have these uh, officials who are making the laws also making money, helping others navigate those laws. Well, you know, in all the ethics reform discussions, there's been a lot of talk about limitations on lobbyists. But we at the BJ have been calling for a much broader definition of what sort of outside activities can be defined as creating conflicts of interest. And certainly lawyers representing, say, municipalities or others who have business before the state would fall into that category of a type of activity, while not technically lobbying, nevertheless is is rife with potentials for conflicts. And uh, this is something that we would hope that the Ethics Commission, when it eventually gets back to work uh, and presents a bill that needs to be stronger than the one they tried to slip through at the end of the vetoes of the uh, Lane Buck session, we hope that this falls on, gets more careful scrutiny because it is a problem.
This is Full Disclosure. David Grising, President and CEO of the Better Government Associations, here with us every Wednesday morning here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. And David, while our focus is predominantly government, striving for good government, transparent and open government, we do also delve into politics in this segment because that certainly does have an impact in how the, the government's going to play out. Uh, one interesting saga that is playing out right now in political circles has to do with an Illinois congressman, Adam Kinzinger, uh, who has in recent weeks been very outspoken against former President Trump, his uh, rhetoric and tactics after the November election, and then uh, the events of January 6th. Uh, Kinzinger, one of only 10 U.S. House Republicans to vote to impeach Trump. Uh, and for that, he is uh, facing a bit of a political toll here in Illinois. Uh, his own local Republican organization up in the Wheaton area uh, has been moving to censure him. Uh, and the, the state party has to figure out how to navigate this as Kinzinger Kinzinger might be laying the groundwork for a potential statewide run in 2022. Uh, and this really is is kind of bringing into focus the uh, the sort of tug of war between the Trump and not so much Trump wings of the Illinois Republican Party. Right. And Adam Kinzinger, clearly on a national basis, is trying to establish himself as a leader of the not so much Trump party. I hadn't heard that term before, Jim, but I really like that. Uh, His Country First PAC is designed to raise money for people who want to break free from Donald Trump. On a local basis, he is dealing with uh, the the LaSalle County GOP chair, uh, Larry Smith, calling for a censure. And statewide, there's been some discussion as well from the state GOP. There's been pressure uh, to censure him by the state party, uh, but Tim Schneider, the state, the new incoming state GOP chair, has expressed no interest in censuring uh, Adam Kinzinger, even though others uh, in leadership positions have done so. Uh, it wouldn't be all that surprising to to see a further break from the Republican Party by Kinzinger. Um, he is enjoying a lot of attention nationally, and it will potentially pave the way for a statewide run if he were interested. Uh, and by carving out this reputation as independent-minded and willing to buck uh, the leadership of the Trump wing of the uh, Republican Party, which now has the Trump and now not-so-Trump, the Jim Leach copyrighted uh, name for the other part of the Republican Party. Well, and I think it applies to Kinzinger. I mean, <laughs> while he's been very outspoken against Trump, he voted with Trump more than 90 percent of the time over the last four years. So he's not exactly the anti-Trump wing, but yeah, the not so much Trump. Uh, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fascinating with, with people staking out their positions for 2022, and that's already starting to happen. Uh, this is really going to be a battle for the soul of the Illinois GOP with, uh, with broad ramifications for the race for governor, the race for U.S. Senate. It. So it's going to be a, a fascinating drama to watch play out. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, you know, nationwide it will be. And we think of Illinois as not being really in the mix because we are such a blue state with the Democratic Party controlling both houses of the state legislature and all the statewide offices, uh, as, as well as the two seats in the Senate, for example. Um, but th- th- there's a lot roiling in the Republican Party nationwide, and Illinois is no exception. We're going to take a break here, but we will continue more full disclosure. David Grising, president and CEO of the Better Government Associations, with us. And the Illinois General Assembly is still uh, maintaining a languid pace here in the uh, early weeks of the spring legislative session. The Senate indicating they won't be back until March. They're going to just conduct business virtually through February. The House is supposed to have at least one day back in session 
session next week to consider House rules. And then they are also getting the heck out of town here in the midst of the pandemic without much of a sense of urgency about the state's pressing issues from the budget to even uh, doing the remap, uh, a process that is going to be uh, complicated this year by a delay in getting new census figures to the General Assembly. David, what does that mean going forward as Illinois tries to figure out what our boundaries are going to be for the 2022 elections? Well, Illinois is complicated because it's one of a handful of states that will be losing uh, a House seat. And so the remapping would have been complicated to begin with. On top of that, the census numbers will not be in when the maps are drawn. And so the much less uh, the block by block data that is the really granular stuff that is used to draw those fine lines that separate one district from another. And so the uh, committee drawing the maps will be working with uh, uh, the best available data and that will end up being approved and then it will be compared when the actual data comes in to uh, to the, the maps that have been drawn. And of, of course, subject to challenge in the courts, if it is deemed that those uh, maps have been drawn in ways that disenfranchise uh, minority groups or, uh, or commu- other communities of interest, it's going to be very complicated, more complicated than usual. And it happens against the context of uh, Chris Welch, the new speaker, saying he's not going to be involved with a gerrymandered map. And uh, Governor Pritzker is saying he won't sign a gerrymandered map. Uh, we would like both of those two to be a lot more specific about what they mean. What is a gerrymandered map to them? And what do they plan to do to protect the residents of Illinois against having the politicians select who represents them instead of the other way around, which is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, this is one of the most critically important questions in terms of whether we all get fair representation in the next election. And Illinois is facing a deadline here. It's written into the state constitution that we have to do uh, this redistricting uh, by, I believe it's June 30th, uh, after the de- decennial census, or it goes to a essentially a commission where it could wind up being basically uh, uh, the, the draw of a number out of a hat to figure out who's going to really control that map-making process. It's been noted there might be a loophole, though, David, in as much as while the Constitution says we have to draw new maps uh, in the year after the decennial census, it doesn't say what data has to be used. So as you noted, they might be able to just use the, the best available data that we have, even if it's not directly from the 2020 census, and then try to sort it all out later. Yeah, it could really, really be a mess. Uh, the one good thing would, that would come out of it is if there were an experiment with drawing names from a hat, this would be a less orchestrated, uh, transparently partisan process than, than is usual. And it might be interesting to see how that, t- t- that works. Um, you know, the BGA and other groups have proposed uh, independent uh, commissions to draw maps. Uh, that so far has gotten very little traction in the legislature, but a drawing out of the hat, a uh, fairly evenly split uh, uh, group uh, in, of even legislative members of the legislature would be an improvement over the cherry-picked partisan uh, process that we've seen in past uh past uh, census. With that, we are out of time on this Wednesday morning. We'll be back next Wednesday for another edition of Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. David, in the meantime, how do people reach you and the BGA the rest of the week? Sure. I'm at dgreising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And our website is bettergov.org. And we do it here every Wednesday morning on the WMAY Morning News Feed. David, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Jim. Bye-bye.